At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. FM. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in downtown Santa Monica, the heart of Silicon Beach. Please be seated. We have a great show for you today. And um, on this, our first show for fall 2015, there are lots of news um, developing this morning. And one is Washington is the buzz with papal fever. A friend sent me a video of Pope Francis' convoy this morning, which included a half dozen Suburbans with the Pope um, zipping by in his little fiat in the middle. Um, and the future ain't what it used to be, unfortunately, as the country mourns the death of an American legend, Yogi Berra, at the age of 90. And finally, some good news and bad news all in one. Um, we can all sing happy birthday freely since a court has ruled the song is in the public domain. So... As we sing it freely without retribution, um, we probably all know some people who maybe it's best they didn't know this fact. So good news and bad news about this. But we have a great show for you today, either way, whether you're a good singer or not. Um, we have with us Hebu Nagam. He's the CEO of uh, SSP Blue, and he is a um, legion in the field of cybersecurity. Um, Hemu, are you with us? Hey, Bennett, I'm here. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, so we're going to talk today about a, a couple of areas in some of the kind of troubling hacks that have happened. Um, but And then I'd like to talk a little bit, start off maybe with the, uh, the other major visit to the United States this week, which is um, with China's um, president who's in Seattle today actually meeting with tech leaders. But Hima, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, th thanks, Bennett. My, my own background, I spent half my career in the government as a prosecutor, starting in L.A. and ending up in the Justice Department as one of their first online crimes against children and online predator prosecutors, then did computer crime, 
helped Mr. Belenti, the late Mr. Belenti, build the Worldwide Internet Enforcement Department for the movie studios going after movie piracy, worked at Microsoft on everything from cyber, uh, cyber crimes to security as a digital positive strategy, and then eventually was chief security officer of News Corporation and MySpace when MySpace was at the top of its game. Um, and then for five years now, consult with companies and people on online safety, security, and privacy. And, and so and we work together on and well, and it, yeah, actually, yeah, we did, Full disclosure, we do work together on a num- number of cyber investigatory matters, um, cyber abuse, cyber harassment, things of that nature. And um, so in, we were going to talk today about hacking. And you know, one of the, the lead hackers um, that we see in the news or one of the lead sources of hacks that we see in the news is often China. And with President Xi Jinping now in Seattle talking with tech officials um, and actually soliciting tech officials to um, sign up to a Chinese code of contact, conduct that would give them possibly a backdoor into their systems and uh, allow them to monitor their users. There's a lot of concern about that. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts about the um, president's visit and the likelihood of really reaching any progress on the issue of Chinese hacking. Well, you know what's really interesting about this visit, uh, Bennett, is that the president is coming here knowing that the history of the Chinese and American relationship when it comes to cybercrime and cybersecurity is, is very simply put, China hacking into American companies and, in essence, without permission, gaining the backdoor that they're now asking official permission for. And at the same time, the American government, in their own counterintelligence activities, doing certain things that we can never talk about and nor will anybody disclose. But the fact of the matter is both sides are attacking each other in what I call the digital Cold War as opposed to the traditional Cold War that we all think about. And at this point, many of the companies like Sony and some of the other major players in America have claimed that China has hacked them. So it's very interesting that the president of China is here either making a peace offering because perhaps the other road didn't lead to as much success as they wanted or as just a ruse to continue doing what they're doing but without anybody realizing it's still happening. Now there's talk that one thing that right now he's in Seattle meeting with tech officials and actually going to be having dinner with Bill Gates. Um, But there's talk when he gets to Washington, some Chinese officials have preceded him and have been negotiating with National Security Advisor Susan Rice about possibly entering into uh, kind of a cyber warfare agreement, kind of like the something along the lines of like Kennedy and Khrushchev, you know, outlining the framework for a nuclear test ban, um, you know, setting the, the limits, the outer limits of what's permissible, specifically that um, neither one would. Uh, attack the critical infrastructure of the other during peacetime. And uh, I understand that what got that progress and what got them to the table was that National Security Advisor Rice went to China uh, recently and told them that there is a possibility of major sanctions um, that would, uh, one, freeze the guilty companies or individuals' financial assets and block all business transactions with them. And that that appears to, according to some reports, 
got Chinese, the Chinese attention such that they've had someone in Washington for the past week to try to hammer out an accord. And so I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Well, you know, it, it, it actually goes back to what I was saying before. The Cold War is now the digital Cold War. And if you look back in history, whenever things are getting escalated on both sides, at some point one side extends an arm, hand and says, you know, maybe it's time for a detente because we could keep going like this and things may ultimately get beyond our control or where one side feels like they have to attack much harsher than the other side just did. And I actually think this is excellent progress in that goal of a detente. And I think what's going on here is both governments are recognizing that they can keep attacking each other, but at some point it's not going to be fruitful anymore to keep going down that route, and perhaps it's better to play together than just play attack, you know, play more as enemies. And, and this could be nothing more than what I would call a gentleman's agreement, but if it's going to reduce the amount it's happening and keep certain things off limits, like the critical infrastructure, which both countries recognize that the other is capable of destroying, it's, it's both sides' way of saying, we know we have the power, we know we have the capability, and let's just make sure we're going to be mature about this. So let's play in an area where we can get away with it, and it won't be too damaging, but let's not play in an area that can, frankly, shut down the networks of our com- countries and destroy our infrastructure. Right, and I, I think that's the big concern, although the agreement that's being outlined would not prohibit a lot of what, what we're, they're already complaining about in terms of, you know, critical infrastructure does not protect against IP theft, which appears to be going on, or the um, the hack that of the Office of Personnel Management that got lots and lots of records that um, were a record amount that have been linked to the Chinese. Now, we talk about this government hacking coming from China, and you know, to one extent, there is evidence it's happening on a governmental level. As you know, there's that Mandiant study that linked it to uh, actually a building of the People's Republic Army. Um, but there's also you know, just hackers within you know Chinese China's borders that aren't government sponsored, and um, that appears or they they appear to be responsible for the latest Apple hack. Yes, I mean, I think it's easy to blame the Chinese government. The reality of the situation is there's plenty of hackers around the world who are attacking companies that are based in America, and and that's not because it's a company that's American. The real reason is the the market that you have here, 95 to 99% of our market of who's online is created by American companies. You have Apple and Microsoft and Google and Yahoo and and AOL, and the list goes on. So when you start thinking about that, you hackers go where the people are. And that's why it makes sense from their perspective to attack. Now, we always say, well, it was, looks like a Chinese hacker. The reality of the situation is hackers could be sitting in Eastern European countries somewhere. They could be sitting in a Latin American country or even an American, inside American soil and routing their way around the world and making it appear as though that the last jumping point was China, so everyone can say, oh, it's a Chinese hacker doing this. Sometimes that's true, and many times that's not true. So I think we do have to keep that in mind. And the latest Apple one 
is an example of an attack that right now everyone is saying it came out of the Chinese borders, but I don't know if anybody can definitively, at least not yet, say that. So what, what do we know about the, the, the Apple hack? And if you could briefly explain what it is and why, why is it significant? Well, it's significant because Apple's entire platform is built around creating an ecosystem of apps apps that all of us like to, if you look at any of our phones right now, you, you have what I would call pages of apps. You, you push your thumb to the left and you keep pushing and there's another page and another page and another page of apps to the point where now people are saying, how do I organize them? And they want to create folders and all. And these are apps that are, in essence, like if you go back to the Windows, when you're sitting on your PC, you had a whole bunch of different software programs but now it's really apps that sit on your phone, whether you have an iPhone or an Apple phone, it really doesn't matter. They're still apps. What the attack did was it actually attacked the developers of the apps by convincing them to download something that appeared to be coming from Apple, but it was actually the hackers. And in essence, they downloaded a virus into your app. 85 or so different apps that are popular were affected and impacted, and that led to that spread. So there's thousands of thousands and thousands of people with hacks that are with, um, with apps that have this vulnerability inside of it. But if they upgraded and they did what the developers were supposed to do, then all of this can go away. But you have to upgrade those apps at this point. A lot of times we often don't because we're thinking, I don't need the new features. Right. But at this point, it's, either crit it's critical to either check against that list or just upgrade the apps that you have because those apps will not have that vulnerability in it. So if I, if I, if I, have, I don't have an iPhone, but if I did and I had those apps, what, what would I be, be being exposed to at the moment? Well, I mean, these are things that um, when viruses go in or Trojans, they can do all sorts of things. They can take your personal info. They can do. And I haven't researched specifically how deep these are going, but the fact of the matter is if you have a hole in your system that a hacker can get into, then you're in essence sitting prey. So that's why it's critical not to um, ignore the updates, as they say. I see. Now, um, there's another hack that's in the news this week, and that concerns online gambling. Can you tell us a bit about yeah, that? Yeah, I was actually smiling. I was smiling as soon as you said that, because this one hits the pocketbook, but at the same time, and maybe because I'm seeing hacks on a daily basis, this one's rather entertaining. And what it does is if you're an online poker player, and I will, if you are listening or know somebody who plays online poker, you need to tell your friends to pay attention to this because there are millions of people who play online poker. And what it does is if you're an online poker player, you may go online looking for different little programs that help you play better, whether it's an online poker calculator or something like that. And these hackers have set up fake sites appearing to be helpful pieces of software to improve your game. When you download it, they actually get into your system and they watch your system. The moment you sign into an online poker site, it can, they can see your cards. They can see what ID you are using to play in that room. And they will go into the room you're playing, watch your cards, and bet against you and win. And you will, of course, lose money. They will, of course, make money. So 
So it's a very clever way of taking a real-life real concept of walking behind somebody, looking over their shoulder, or having a buddy do it, and giving them a, a hint of this is what their cards are, better, don't better, whatever you do in the online poker world. And they're doing it all online. And it's how an extremely long, clever way to do it. It's very, and um, it's, it's, it's a, a no-lose proposition. And how long has this been going on? Do, do they have a sense? I'm not sure when it exactly started, but it was actually first discovered a couple of weeks ago. But the, but the interesting thing about this is, and this is the classic message, I mean, not the classic, it's the message that no matter how many times you call me, Bennett, and you ask me for advice on cybersecurity, the one thing I will always tell you is update your systems and run that antivirus, anti-spyware, anti-phishing software and keep it up to date. Because if you had done that, you wouldn't be a victim of this particular incident because it already has fixes on it. The semantics and the trend micros of the world have released fixes that would stop this from coming into your system. They would recognize it's a virus coming in. They would block it. But, again, a lot of people just don't do that. They hit that darn remind me later button, and every time you do, you make yourself vulnerable to a hacker coming in. Now, what has been the fallout for the uh, online gambling companies so far? Well, there's a sense of nervousness, um, and there's a reputation issue. There's, even though it's not the online gambling or online uh, poker sites, um, it's not their fault, people will blame somebody, right? They're not going to blame themselves. It's just right. a natural thing to do, blame somebody. So there's a reputation issue going on, which also means, from my perspective, I was working with these companies, I'd be saying, escalate your awareness-raising campaigns. Take the steps to educate your own customers on how to think about these things and make them aware. A lot of times companies will say, well, I don't want to raise the issue. If I raise the issue, they think I have a problem. Well, the fact of the matter is, if you don't raise the issue, the press is going to raise it anyway. Right. People like us are going to raise it because we want customers to be safer. So at the end of the day, this is a campaign that hasn't happened in the online, uh, online gambling, online poker community, and it needs to happen now. And that is awareness about cybersecurity. So this is their Tylenol moment? <laughs> it's a mini Tylenol moment for now. And when referring to Tylenol when they had the, 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 the tampering with the um, bottles and supposedly, I forget what, what substances was supposedly put in the, the, in the, the capsules, but uh, you know, they responded by coming out with a new package design and you know, really just owning the problem and saying, okay, we're, 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 we're going to be proactive. Now you can trust us. We have it under control. You know, this is their moment to kind of do something that says, hey, um, we, we, we heard, we hear you. We understand you're upset. Um, granted, it wasn't necessarily our fault, but here's what we're going to do, and here's how we're going to address this. And we, we're, you can rest assured that our, our users, we're going to do the best we can to make them safe online. Right, and that's one of the things we do in SSP Boo is we actually help companies develop these campaigns. But I am, after watching this, realizing that there's a, there's a segment here that people had not been paying attention to, which is exactly why hackers thought, oh, look at what's going on over here. I can quietly get in and have some fun and make some money at the same time. Right, and at the same time, you know, people may not squawk as much to law enforcement because you know the the legal status of online gambling is somewhat ambiguous. 
Right, right. I mean, it depends on what state you're in. It depends on where your company is based. There's all sorts of rules and ramifications around online gambling. So there is a sense of maybe I don't want to raise the issue. But more importantly, many people don't even know, hey, they lost the poker game. That player was better. I wonder why that player is so much better than I am. Maybe I'm not reading the right things. They're going to have all a bunch of other reasons to think why they lost. And the company where this is taking place may not recognize it other than to notice that there's a player that's winning. But if they're coming under different personas, you may not even catch it. It's an anomaly that occurred or it's just part of the game. And it's very difficult to, to identify based on the conduct that's happening. And, you know, bef- Coach Tomlin and other coaches out there, before you even think about it, this is not the New England Patriots' fault. You're reaching out to all your football listeners, then. <laughs> <laughs> so one other thing we, we talked about in terms of, you know, recent hacking problems, and this one's really troubling, is the, the concept of ransomware. And um, there seems to be some ransomware exploit that's getting attention. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's uh, guys looking for boob apps, to put it simply as that, and that's exactly how they're talking about it. There are apps out there that will give you adult content, maybe some picture every day, things like that. And what these hackers are doing is they're creating apps that appear to be completely legitimate, you know, 18-plus apps, a guy or a woman downloads it, and the moment they do, their phone is locked. It's taken over by the hacker. A photo of them is taken by the camera inside their phone. And this is happening on the Android side right now. It's happened in other places, but right now the attack is on Android phone users. Um, and then they're told, pay up or we own your phone. And sometimes people pay up and they still don't get access back to their phone and they have to pay up again. So this is a very dangerous one, and the real message here is if you want to download an app, do it legitimately. Go, go to the Google Store rather than trying to find some random website out there and saying, oh, I can just download it. They say they're a Google app, but it's better to go in the store, make sure it's in there so you find out whether it's real or not, because it would appear to be real, but it may not be in the Google Store for a reason. Well, um, this is not an example of ransomware, but we, we do have... Um, a pay-up issue. We have to go to our advertisers. So we're going to take a short break. Um, we'll come back. We'll have more with Hemu on hacking and cybersecurity after these messages from our sponsors. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's Maps and localized results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio, T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat. 
by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and we're talking with Himu Nagam. And Himu, these things are really troubling. You know, the ransomware, as well as what's happening in the apps and spyware in terms of the gambling sites, what should people do or what can people do to kind of protect themselves? Well, you know what's interesting is we often think of the online world very differently than the physical world we live in. But I'll give you a perfect example. When we, when we, if somebody came to our house and said, your door lock is broken, somebody in this neighborhood has found the master key because the develop, same developer built all the houses and the locks, the first thing we would do is, can you fix this right now? Instead of saying, come back later, remind me later, you know, I'm right. busy right now. In the online world, when you get that software update and it says, update now, remind me later, we don't even think twice about it. We're thinking, oh, I'm making a cup of tea right now, remind me later. And we'll hit that button. It is actually, the, in my mind, a button that should be banned from the Internet. Because in essence, what you're saying is, hey, hackers, I know there's a hole in my computer that you can come in and do whatever you want. And I'm going to leave it open for you and just, you know, remind me later. So I think one of the things we have to do is get into the habit of updating your system. Whenever there's an update, there's a reason why it's coming out. The company whose system it is recognized the vulnerability. However they figured it out isn't even relevant. The fact is there was a hole. They're fixing it. They need your help in doing it. And you need to be cooperative. So that's number one. The other is... As much as this almost sounds like a sales pitch, but the reality is the later systems, the new products that are coming out are, in fact, much more security conscious than the older ones used to be. And that's an important thing. So if you're, if you're updating to the next operating system or you're buying the latest devices, those things are more secure, but they don't stay secure unless you keep updating and unless you run antivirus, anti-phishing, anti um, anti-spyware software on it. And those things are easy to do. You, 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 you set up an account with, whether it's Norton, it's uh, Trend Micro, it's Microsoft Essentials, there's so many different solutions out there. You have to choose whichever one you do. Most all of them work about the same, and it's worth doing it because it will make a difference. And then finally, think of it in the real-world sense. When somebody sends you something, because a lot of these attacks happen by what's called phishing, they convince you to click on something that looks legitimate, but it actually isn't. You get something from your note, hey, 
look at me wearing, you know, surfing nude in Hawaii. Well, would your friend really do that in the real world? That's the question you got to ask yourself before you click the link to the video, which really isn't a link to a video. And people, people generally click, click, click without thinking. So you got to think before you click. Is, you know, it sounds like a ridiculous statement. It sounds like marketing speak, but the reality is, think of whatever happens online. Find a real-world scenario that's equivalent in the real world, and then say to yourself, "What would I do?" And uh, 99.9% of the time, you will find your answers in the real world, and they apply in the online setting. I think I have an answer, a solution. Instead of banning <laughs> the update me later, um, allow them to click that. But the minute you click it, it adds a label to all your social media profile pictures that says "kick me." <laughs> I'm vulnerable. <laughs> and by the way, um, we were, because this is a cyber law and business report, one thing I do want to point out is for law firms, they have more personal information than most people can ever imagine, but hackers are starting to pay attention. So that is an area that I see in the future where directional changes are going to happen in the hacking community and more and more ha- law firms are going to be vulnerable. So this is, a, this is to me, a wake-up call for all all the lawyers out there and in terms of getting the latest security systems in place. And it's interesting you mention that because this year has been called supposedly the year of the medical hack. And it's, excuse me, it has lived up to its billing to an extent, you know, with some of the breaches we've seen at UCLA and some of the other places. But I, I, I've, all, I've heard some rumblings and concerns, actually, about that, the law firms being the next big target. And, and the concern partly because they, despite um, you know, the nature of what they do, they may be the least prepared. Well, who is the uh, keeper of privileged and confidential information? It's law firms. And the more lawyers are involved in these types of situations. And I think part of this is because legal action is being taken in cybersecurity issues. People are suing other people when there's a breach. If they do identify the person that's doing it, it's not just criminal action, it's also civil action. So awareness in the hacking community is being raised that there are law firms out there, and that's how it is easy to become a target. And do you get a sense of how well law firms have responded to date? I'm not hearing as much as proactive thinking as I, I would like to hear, but I'm sure there's some law firms that are very conscious of, especially the ones who live in this space and have departments that handle these types of issues. But there's plenty of law firms. You're doing trust in estates all day. You may not even be thinking about cybersecurity. You may be thinking more, well, who's going to pay attention to me? Well, the fact of the matter is if you're doing trust in estates, it's a great example of a law firm that would have a ton of personally identifiable information that would be very useful for a hacker to create a new identity and use that to do all sorts of other things. And that's what a lot of this is about. It is about identity theft. And in one area that's very rich is the medical field because of all the insurance information and the date of birth and even physical characteristics that are available. Um, but a lot of firms, because of the financial information, as you mentioned, particularly in areas like trusts and estates or you know, in any major financial tra- transaction, an asset or stock sale, you know, you're going to have a lot of information there, and, and it's very rich for identity thieves. 
Well, every company has a, a lawyer or a law firm behind them at some point or another. Yes. And so uh, it, apparently you know, I've often heard that you know hacking is about isn't necessarily going to the obvious target. It's about bouncing around until you find uh, some point of entry. And it, it could be that, that that some point of entry is, is kind of the weakest link, someone that has access but hasn't quite you know, have their defenses ready as maybe the rest of the um, enterprise might. And you know, it could be that law firms are that weak link. Well, if, if you think about it, hackers exploit trust. The one person that I would trust when I get something from, is my lawyer. My lawyer just sent me something. Immediately, I'm going to want to open it, figure out what's in it, see if I need to do something, get an update on whatever case they're working on or some contract or deal they're helping negotiate, whatever that may be. But I'm not going to think, well, what if my lawyer was exploited some by a hacker and they're sending me something that I shouldn't click on? I won't even look at the link. I see, I see the blue, I click, and I say, hey, it must be something I need to sign or DocuSign for that matter. And so it is a trust relationship that's easy to exploit. We're trained as people who hire lawyers to trust our lawyers. It's just the way the system works. And I think that's what we need to start being conscious of. And that awareness raising, again, going back to awareness campaigns, one of the things that's really important right now is for law firms to be proactively setting the ground rules with their clients and customers and saying, hey, I will never, you, you hear this happen all the time from banks, we will never ask you for your username and password in an email. And I think people are finally actually trained to think about that when they get a notification from a bank. Um, call us if you get something that asks immediately. Don't click on the link, type it in, go and dub, 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 meaning www bankofamerica.com, type that in, and then log in instead of just clicking on a link. Those are the kinds of things in the financial sector. Banks have really built a strong relationship with their customers through that awareness-raising campaign, and I think the legal field has to embrace that, and they're next in line to do that. We're going to take a, one last break, Kimu. If people want to find out more information about you and your operation, where should they go? Go to sspblue.com. It stands for your blueprint for safety, security, privacy. All right, Himo. Thank you very much. We're going to take a short break. and we come back, we'll do some news updates. Thanks, Stay Bennett. tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. 
Internet Marketing Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. I want to thank Himu again for enlightening discussion about this whole issue of cybersecurity and uh, from dealing at a state actor level to dealing with individual hackers. Um, it's always a pleasure to have him on, and um, he's a really good guy to work with. Um, we have some updates and news that I want to bring to your attention. But once on a more of a personal level, today is um, September 23rd is Restless Leg Syndrome Awareness Day. And there are 7.4 million Americans who suffer from restless leg syndrome, which is kind of an involuntary movement. It's a neurological thing and um, often made fun of as the heebie-jeebies or something of that sort. I've seen Bill Maher go off on it a few times. But it does disrupt their sleep and often requires medication. Uh, I am one one of the 7.4 million. And so it's, if you um, want to learn more about Restless Leg, it is the RLS Foundation. You can go to www.rls.org. Uh, and learn more about this. If you suffer from it, definitely check it out. A sleep study will, will prove it. Uh, I unfortunately discovered that I kick about 80 times an hour in my sleep, which uh, both disrupts my sleep but also my wife's. And um, so any event, there have been some major developments in the news that we want to bring to your attention. And one is in the area of Section 230. And the Communications Decency Act, which affords uh, immunity to websites for content posted by third parties. And it's, uh, it's a very vital com- ingredient to having a free and open Internet. Um, but, you know, there are instances when it does not apply. And uh, we had two decisions come down. One is a Washington Supreme Court decision that alt- that's basically allowed a case against back pages to proceed um, because it, it seemed to really want to get the result that back page was not immune, um, but basically said that um, somehow their content guidelines um, that, that allowed. Uh, adult ads for escorts or whatever, um, they confused that with content creation. And everything that was being raised against uh, back pages, it seemed to be, um, was more about neutral guidelines and not actually creating or having a role in creating the content. And uh, they said that basically um, the the allegations were the um, were that they were involved in, um, if proved true, would show that Backpage did more than simply maintain neutral policies prohibiting or limiting certain content. The thrust of the allegations was that Backpage's website and content guidelines were not simply neutral policies prohibiting or limiting certain content, but instead were specifically designed so that pimps can continue to use Backpage.com to traffic in sex. 
And uh, I just kind of saw this opinion as really a result-driven opinion um, where the analysis seemed to come second. And so it was somewhat of a troubling decision. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Backpages does pursue that further, which would mean going to the Supreme Court, um, since it is a matter of federal preemption under the Communications Decency Act. In another case, however, Ripoff Report lost um, another first time, second um, second time in the month of August alone that they lost uh, a Section 230 case. And here there was some interesting facts that really compelled, I think, uh, reaching that conclusion. And one was that there was evidence that Ripoff Report was aware that they were um, in publishing false information and that really what they, that what they were using that for was as leverage to um, for their add-on services where they, they, they charge you to um, manage or um, neutralize the content itself. And um, the judge found that the facts support a reasonable inference that uh, Ripoff Report was not a neutral publisher. It had an interest in and encouraged negative content. It refused to remove the content even when told by the author that it was false and he wanted it removed. What interest would a neutral publisher have in maintaining false and harmful content against the wishes of the author unless it advanced its own commercial interests? The alleged facts allow a reasonable inference that Ripoff Report refused to remove the offensive content to promote its own corporate advocacy program. Indeed, it is reasonable to infer that the very raison d'etre for the website was to, was to commercialize on its ability to sell its program to counter the offensive content that Ripoff Report encouraged. So uh, a very important decision could could open up Ripoff Report to further liability, and so we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I know we only have a few minutes left, but um, this is um, definitely a major decision. One other decision that was a very important decision um, was the Ninth Circuit um, ruled on the case involving uh, a, a woman who posted a video of her, uh, I believe it was like an 18-month-old toddler, dancing and grooving to Prince's Let's Go Crazy that then became the subject of the DMCA takedown notice. And um, she argued that it was fair use and ultimately decided to litigate the issue and, um, and that the, um, the Prince's Universal, um, in terms of pursuing this, that they now have a duty before issuing a takedown notice to actually engage in a fair use analysis. So for purposes of the DMA, um, basically they said if a copyright holder ignores or execs unequivocally holding that it must consider fair use before sending a takedown notification, it is liable for damages. And so that's the important thing. Um, if there's a, if copyright holders can't just um, take um, blanket um, objections under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, they actually have to consider fair use. And so um, we'll, that case is going to trial. We'll see what happens. But it's a very important development. And so um, that's the update I have. Next week, we have a very interesting show. We have the author of The Dark Web, um, which uh, unfortunately he had to cancel last week. But um, James Bartlett, and it's called The Dark Net. And he actually went into the dark net he uh he spent a year there um engaging in all the various um some activities that are available and uh his his book is an interesting study so i'm really looking forward to that discussion next week 
here on Cyber Law Business Report. Um, if you want information on today's show, check out our, our blog at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. In addition, follow us on Twitter. You know, give us any suggestions you want. We're at Cyber Law Radio on Twitter. And also check out the Internet Law Center, internetlawcenter.net. We're a f- um, one of the leading internet law, law firms for protecting people who are doing business online and I work a lot with HEMA when protecting victims of cyber harassment, so check us out there. Um, we're based in Santa Monica, where we serve clients worldwide. So that's all we have for um, this week. Um, quarters adjourned. Be sure to check out our mobile app at Webmaster Radio, and um, you can download it both for Apple or Android, and you can take us anywhere you want. Um, we're happy to travel with you. We're, we're good companions. So that's all we have. Until next week, this is Ben and Kelly. Have a great week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.